Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, as we always do this time of the week, uh, Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again to bring some stories from around the world. Afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you getting on? And thank uh, you for, for a normal segue there. Yes, thank you. <laughs> right, uh, Ethiopia uh, we're going to uh, go to first. And uh, the uh, 47 people have been arrested. 47 people have been arrested over the assassination of uh, Prime Minister uh, Abiy Ahmed uh, in the state of Amhara. Okay, so a bit of context here. This uh, happened last week and it comes off the back of that civil war that had happened um, between the federal government and Tigray that was going on for Mm. the guts of two years. Somewhere between 400 and 500,000 people died, if not more, as a result of that, okay? And uh, there was a peace treaty signed in South Africa in November of last year. But there has been tension in Tigray and in other states around there, one of them being this place, Amahara, okay? So during the Civil War, the federal government uh, decided to recruit various different special forces and various different militia from within Amhara, okay, because it borders Tigray, right? They Mm. said, come on, give us a hand here and uh, we'll sort these people in Tigray out, okay? However, the peace deal was done, as I said, in November and then the federal government decided, right, we're going to dismantle these militias. Militias in general don't like being dismantled because Mm. they get a bit of power and, of course, because they operate with a a level of autonomy and they're not particularly centralised, they are very difficult to get rid of, okay? So, they haven't been happy about the fact that the federal government have been trying to do that and their representatives within this particular state, Amhara, have been targeted. Now, up until now, that has been just abuse. It's been online, whatever it might be through social media. But last week, a man by the name of Girma Yeshi Tila, who is the head of the Prosperity Party in that particular state, was assassinated along with four other people that were travelling in his convoy. Now, off the back of that, 47 suspects have been arrested. We don't know much about them. All we know is that the uh, st- uh, the state broadcaster is basically saying that they were caught with bombs and various different uh, materials for this kind of an assassination. Um, and it's very worrying because Amhara is right on the border with Sudan, mm-hmm. uh, which is a basket case, as we know at the moment. Yeah. Tigray has just ended, but that's not going particularly well. It's not like they're all sitting around, you know, smoking the peace pipe. There's a lot of tension there as well. Um, So this is just adding fuel to a regional fire that could really, really take off and be very bad, not just for this part of the world, but for you know, uh, other parts of the world. Yeah, Uh, And the arrest of 47 people might smell a bit of a trawling exercise rather than necessarily these were specific suspects. I mean, I I did read, read reports you know, depending on what side of the story you're looking at, where these were people involved in NGOs and various organisations that don't wouldn't necessarily be linked to these kind of attacks. But the state broadcaster is going with the fact that this was a terror attack, that they're separatists. And there is a high level of separatism, you know, of, of nationalism within Ethiopia amongst these mm. states, you know, the states themselves. It's a federal country. Yeah, it's yeah. a federal state. Like there's 11 of them all together, but they're all along ethnic lines and, and uh, linguistic lines. You know what I mean? Mm. Um so this is always happening here. You know, the Tigray, the thing with Tigray was quite similar, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
So, you know, people in Amhara, national Amhara, basically feel that they're being uh, targeted here. They're not being treated like the rest of the of the, of the states. They're saying we helped you out. They're saying to the federal government, you know, we helped you out, and now you're um, you're 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 throwing this back in our face. So they're not particularly happy, and this is uh, the manifestation of that. Yeah. Now uh, we'll move on to Cuba. As we all know, yesterday was first uh, of May, International Workers' Day, but not in Cuba. Not in Cuba, at least not on the level that they used to celebrate it. So the official parade was actually cancelled by um, President Miguel Diaz-Canel who said that it couldn't go ahead because of uh, petrol shortages and he made a statement and said that they are only receiving two-thirds of the petrol that it needs and that the shortfall is due to supplier nations failing to fulfil their contractual agreements. Supplier nations being Venezuela, if you read between the lines. And so they've had a weird agreement for a long time. So since 2000, there's been a barter agreement, as you probably know. So Cuba sends doctors and teachers and in return, Venezuela sells, sends back crude. Mm. Um, unfortunately, for the last 10 years, due to corruption, mismanagement and, ver- and sanctions, the, the amount of crude that Venezuela has been able to send into uh, Cuba has declined by 50%, right? Also because of the war in Ukraine and the fact that Washington are looking for crude and they've all of a sudden, I wouldn't say they're best friends now. But they're cozying up a bit. They are cozying up to them. So the Venezuelans are saying, okay, we've got dollars on one side and we've got teachers and doctors on the other side. When they're looking at Cuba, we're going to take the dollars and we're going to send the better crude to the United States. They also actually need to get crude themselves in order to, from the States to to refine it. But that's Mm. getting into the weeds of it all. So it means that the Cubans aren't getting us the quality or the amount of crude that they used to get. And because they don't have as many dollars as they used to have in their reserves either, they can't get things like dilutants or equipment from the rest of the world. Hence, the petrol shortages and the economic um, yeah. tragedy that is waiting to happen. In yeah, Cuba and, and Cuba's limited in where it, it can get crude from. Absolutely, because, because of the of sanctions. sanctions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're squeezed one way or the other, really, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Well, we'll uh, move on from that. And it doesn't, but it doesn't seem like it, the the Cubans would have any way around this. Like their their options are fairly limited. They really. are very limited indeed. And, yeah. But and and so, but there's a lot of reasons why you know this the the oil problem is happening. This statement is all about being able to blame an individual, mm. if you know what I mean. In yes. this case, Venezuela. Yeah. And so, therefore. The illusion continues within Cuba. Yeah, right. Uh, so we are going to go uh, to the United States uh, next. This is uh, uh, this is a very much a culture war story, I suppose. Uh, sales of Bud Light have fallen, but why? Right. So Bud Light, back in April, decided to sponsor two Instagram posts by a trans woman. She's an actress and, and influencer called... Dylan Mulvaney. I don't know if you if you know her. Um, anyway, Dylan Mulvaney was also sent uh, a can of the of the Bud Light with her face on it to commemorate some milestone that she had in her life, and she took to TikTok and Instagram and all that kind of thing, delighted with herself that Bud Light had had, had gone into this marketing campaign with her. However, not everybody was happy, and there was a few people who took to Twitter, Instagram, all those things and left comments uh, that were transphobic and, you know, not altogether uh, championing what what Bud Light had done here. One of those people was a guy, Kid Rock, okay? He used to be married to Pamela Anderson. And he posted a video of himself shooting cases of the beer, all right? In that sort of American way that you do, right? And that's gone viral. And the week 
ending April 22nd, right, in-store sales of Bud Light, which is the largest, by far the largest selling beer in the United States, fell by over 26%. The week before that, it went oh. down by 21%, and the week before that, 11%. Now, the reason I'm giving you those figures is because you think, over time, the controversy goes away. Yes. But it's getting worse, basically. And it's actually going down to a sort of a grassroots level, basically, now, where people are going into bars. You order a Bud Light, and somebody across the room says, hey, what are you doing ordering Bud Light? Do you know what they did? Or yeah, do you, yeah. you know, do you support uh, trans women and all this kind of thing? But then on the other side of it, because of statements that are coming out from Bud Light, the sort of the people who are uh, in favour of trans women are sort of saying, well, you're not doing enough to stand up for your own campaign here. So Bud Light are kind of caught between... In the middle there. Caught yeah. in the middle and they can't get out of it by the looks of it. And those... Uh, you know, sales plum- those plummeting sales would uh, would uh, you know attest to that really. Yeah, and uh, uh, are there any indications whether the plummeting sales are in particular parts of the US or is it across the good, US? Good question. I don't know to be hundred percent. I don't know to be hundred percent honest with you if it's in particular parts, but that would be that is a great question and something that I should have a look into. All right, yeah, yeah, because. Uh, one would, you know, yeah. you're going to guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably certain parts, certain demographic, etc., uh, etc. Et but Bud Light have said nothing. Uh, no, they've come out and they basically said, "Look, we work with hundreds of influencers across brands, and um, we're trying to correct connect with audiences across various demographics." Um, but it's not really washing with everyone. And as you like, as we pointed out, they're caught between the left and the right, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and and uh, it's affecting bars and, and it's it's become a big thing in the United States. Yeah, it's very interesting because I imagine other brands might be watching this quite yeah, carefully absolutely. and it could have a chilling effect yeah. of uh, um, to avoid talking about certain areas or straying into certain areas. Right, uh, Indonesia uh, we're going to go to next and uh, an Australian uh, is uh, going to be imprisoned for spitting at someone. He might be. Uh, this is a man by the name of Brenton Craig Abbas Abdullah MacArthur, right? Uh, Some who's, name. who's originally from Australia and uh, converted to Islam a number of years ago, I believe. He's been, I think he's either staying for a long period in Indonesia or he was living there. But anyway, his uh, permission, permit had, had run out, um, which may or may not be a good thing for him. Anyway, last week um, he was caught on CCTV walking into a mosque, having an, some sort of an argument or discussion with an imam and then appeared to have spat in the imam's face. Now, the imam runs away and this guy, Brenton MacArthur, we'll call him, keep his name short, walks out, tries to leave the country, right? But is actually apprehended at the airport before he gets away. Mm. And now he's been charged under Articles 335 and 315 of the Criminal Code, which basically regulate what they call unpleasant acts and insults. And he could go to prison for up to 14 months, um, wow. which is quite a long time. Now, it's it's probably a good thing that it happened in Java, which is not Aceh, which mm, is, yes, <laughs> do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he'd probably been a flogged a hundred times at this stage already. Um, and he is denying the charges uh, in a social media post. He said he didn't do anything wrong. And he actually said that the charges were racially motivated, which I thought was, was quite interesting. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the, but there's no indication why the altercation took place with the imam the, even. The only thing that we know from 
from the imam's side is that he told a news site that MacArthur had been disturbed by the recitation of the Quran over a loudspeaker. Now, why that happened, I don't know. Uh, why he was disturbed by it, I don't know. But there you go. He was arrested and uh, and he could get 14 months in jail. Yeah, my word. Then again, I mean, I, I suppose in, in physical uh, um terms Indonesia and Australia quite uh, are quite close to they each are, other uh, and you know Bali is like sort of like Spain for Australians really so uh, there's a lot of them there absolutely yeah yeah and are, are they regularly arrested well it, it, it's an interesting thing because this particular case comes off the back of another arrest um a 23 year old from Queensland was arrested for um going on a naked drunken rampage um, in Aceh, in fact, where mm. he assaulted uh, a citizen and ended up giving him 50 stitches. He's he's going to be in big trouble, that guy. So I think from MacArthur's point of view, it's pretty bad that both of these things happened at the same time because I think they could probably both be made an example of. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, right, Spain we're going to go to uh, finally and uh, obviously uh, bullfighting for, for decades now has been a, a controversial Sport. Let's put that in, in inverted commas. But uh, but at least one aspect of it has finally been banned. There has uh, a ban has come in um, specifically around dwarf bullfighting. So this is what is called has been going on for years, and it basically involves people with dwarfism who dress up as clowns in a music costumes and they fight small bulls. And it was marketed for years as a fun day out for the family, and um, now it has been banned. Um, a strange thing. I, I have to say I didn't know that it actually existed. Um, it looks like it was coming to an end anyway. Its popularity was running out. So back in October of 2022, there was a performance that was due to take place in Madrid, but it only sold 37 tickets and it was cancelled. Now, hmm. there was a campaign around that as well at the same time that was run by the same people who were trying to get this ban brought in. Um, and, and it's been successful. But not everybody's happy. There was a few people, I put out a tweet about this actually, and there is a photo of five people with dwarf, dwarfism standing outside the court where this decision was, or the parliament where this decision was made. And um, they're saying, well, look, this is our livelihood that's gone. And uh, what else are we supposed to do now? Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I suppose you could understand that. And, and in these kind of shows, animals aren't harmed or killed or anything of that nature. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not actually. No, they're not killed in this context. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, right. But then again, that's not the same as uh, actual bullfighting, no, which is no. a, a far more serious matter. Right. So what should we look out for over the next uh, week uh, or so? There's only one or two things, really. I think there's elections in the UK, local elections that are coming up um, uh, next week. And to be honest with you, besides the usual people flying around the place, that's about it, to be honest, Sean. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Normal week around the world then. Jonathan, Absolutely. thanks a million thanks, as Sean. ever. Jonathan DeBurka Butler there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.